On today's episode, Advancing EDI and a Multinational Corporation, an interview with Jillian Hines. Welcome to Exclusion, a podcast that explores all things equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. Exclusion is brought to you by Canadian Equality Consulting and Biarg Consulting. Hello, everyone. This is Marcy here. Today, we're talking about how to advance EDI at a multinational corporation. We have Jillian Hines, talent strategy expert at Shell, with us today. And Alicia here, as always, in the spirit of respect, uh, see, I never say that word right. (laughs) As always, in the spirit of respect, reciprocity, and truth, we acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on the traditional territories and oral practices of the Treaty 7 region in Southern Alberta and Region 3 Métis Nation. We acknowledge all nations, Indigenous and non, who live, work, and play on these lands, and to all who assist in their stewardship from generations to come. So thank you so much, Jillian, for joining us today. Uh, We brought Jillian in to discuss this topic with us on how to advance EDI at a global multinational corporation that is also steeped in a male-dominated culture. Jillian is a senior HR leader with talent strategy expertise and has worked, lived, and traveled throughout the Americas, Europe, and Asia. Her current role as a global talent manager downstream for Shell, she's responsible for delivering world-class outcomes for leadership development, expertise in the future of work, and the creation and implementation of innovative talent and DNI strategy. In addition to Shell, she's involved in several community initiatives with the belief that the future of work is deeply rooted in STEM. Jillian is on the board of directors for the Alberta Science Network. She's also on the board of Ask Her which aims to support and empower women, helping to increase the number of women on Calgary City Council. Jillian is passionate about advancing the HR profession and has recently joined the board of CPHR Alberta. She also holds her CPHR designation. Jillian has an MBA from Queen's University, a Bachelor of Commerce from the U of C, University of Calgary, and a certificate in social impact. Jillian is also a recent award winner of the Young Women in Energy Awards to recognize and reward Albertans who go above and beyond to change the face of energy. So congratulations on that recent award. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, Jillian, you definitely talk my language being um, associated with STEM, right? So that's great. (laughs) Good. So let's jump in. Uh, Tell us more about your role at Shell. Yeah, it's, I'm, and I'm really happy to be here and excited to be part of the conversation. So thank you so much for, for inviting me and having me on. Um, I am currently a global talent manager for our downstream business in Shell. So that's, you know, 30,000 people in over 50 countries and everything from refining in, in uh, our refinery plants through to trading, retail, um, and commercial B2B and B2C. So quite, quite a broad business. And my role does a couple of of key things. So a big part of what I do is talent strategy, and that's really about having the right people with the right skills in the right role at the right time. 
which sounds easy, uh, but it's not at all. It's incredibly complex. Um, and then certainly bringing a strong sort of advocacy and gender equity lens from a DNI perspective. And so, I mean, we are such a large business, but my role is to help ensure that we're looking and identifying our diverse talent, understanding what might be those barriers that are blocking our diverse talent from moving up into leadership positions and really creating purposeful talent strategies and plans to increase diversity in leadership. And then, of course, uh, we constantly look to the future. And so there's a lot of work around with this whole idea of future of work and automation and robotics. How do we bring work to people and people to work in, in different ways? So it's quite a broad role, um, but certainly strong on the, on the EDI side. Excellent. I love how you apply that EDI lens to um, to talent strategy and um, and plans, leadership plans. So, how was EDI uh, first introduced at Shell, and uh, and how has Shell actively worked to advance that? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't been at Shell since the start of EDI, but what I can certainly share with you is um, the DNI journey and what's really been happening um, on a global perspective. And so, we've had diversity. Um, as a lens for a while. And I'll talk about the diversity first, because I think that's something that organizations and people can intuitively um, get a little bit more, right? When you talk about the D, it's a little bit more quali- or quantitative uh, versus the inclusion side. But our DNI journey um, has really been over a 20-year period um, where we started on that diversity vision. And so that really was about setting quite purposeful targets um, in two areas at that time was gender from a leadership perspective, so senior women in leadership, and nationality, which really depends on the country that that you're operating in. Um, But over time, we've really made that shift into the full broad sort of EDI spectrum. And so that's the diversity and inclusion and equity, um, focusing on everything from having our diversity strategy reviews um, to building capabilities in our leadership and our, our culture, um, really underpinned by our, we have employee networks in a variety of diverse areas, um, leadership frameworks, process and policy, um, right through to Shell People Survey. And so there's quite a system and structure. It's a whole sort of systems design around DNI. And it really has helped to advance um, our diversity lens and focus areas, particularly around women in senior leadership roles. So putting EDI to work, um, depending on your company size, can always mm-hmm. be a challenge. But what are some of the uh, challenges that you've had to overcome advancing EDI as a multinational corporation? Yeah, I, I think the first the first challenge is it's it's a journey and it's a long journey and change can be quite can be slow. And I think you see that in many large organizations and also when you look at sort of country lens, political leadership, whatever it may be, that change, um, particularly around gender equity and other diverse equity lenses, um, can be slow to see change. So it's a challenge to really keep the focus and the rigor in making progress and really improving the EDI perspective in in a large organization. Um, I, I think the other piece, which sort of stems from the slow progress is just the sheer complexity of EDI in a multinational, right? You start to layer on what EDI looks like. And so, you know, at Shell, we start with what, what are the global priorities in EDI? And they could be, you know, gender and nationality, but nationality is incredibly complex because, you know, you look at the Canadian landscape and for us, it's our protected groups. 
it's um, Aboriginal Indigenous peoples in the U.S. It's people of color in Australia. It's Indigenous people, and in Qatar, it's local Qataris. So you you take the global priorities and then you layer on that that sort of country legislation and country perspective. Sometimes it fits your global priorities, and sometimes you have to have sort of step outs from a country view. And then you have to consider the business strategy. So if your footprint is growing in China, you may want Chinese nationals in, in leadership roles. And so bringing all of that together to come up with a focused <laughs> but broad enough DNI strategy is is complex for sure. And I, I think for me the final challenge of what I see is it really is about changing culture and behavior. And so we know it's not enough just to focus on diversity. You have to have that the I part as well. And that really comes down to culture, your leadership support, having passionate change agents at every level of the organization, and frankly, an honest sharing of beliefs around the value and prioritization of diversity and inclusion in the company. So I, I think those are, I could stop there, I think for now. <laughs> There's a lot. So those are the three that I think are just, uh, for me, what I see as, as the challenge. Thanks. Just to kind of build on that, yeah. have you introduced EDI in different ways or presented it in different ways in other countries? Um, I'm wondering because I often hear when I do EDI trainings um, internationally, people feel like we're pushing Canadian values on them. Um, if there's a really strong gender equity focus, for example, and they get uncomfortable um, and then we talk about you know compliance and their local laws and stuff, but it can definitely be a, a barrier um, for them to accept that. So have you encountered that and, and how did you handle it? I, I, yeah, definitely there is um, different country challenge and particularly around the value of certain elements of diversity. Gender is a, is a great one. It, it, um, you know, you have challenge of different culture perspectives on, on women in leadership. Um, I think for us, we have the luxury of starting as a broad shell DNI focus. And so you can always go back to what your root sort of organizational beliefs are from a DNI lens. And really leverage that when you go into a country, and then you do have country considerations. And so, um, I you know I use Qatar as an example. It's incredibly important to have Qatari, like local Qatari um, employees, in in our positions, and we have to really balance the sort of broad shell view with what the local legislation is expecting of us. Um, and there's quite a bit of rigor around that. We also have quite a broad. I don't love the term toolkit, but it is a toolkit or suite of um, materials available depending on the country you're in. And so if you go in and let's say um, unconscious bias is something you really want to address somewhere, then we, we've got that um, as a way to start the conversation around DNI versus going in with, with targets. And so I think it's about understanding the country context, but also what the leadership and employees um, are receptive to around the conversation and sort of tailoring the message there. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Is there something that Shell has done really well in, in the EDI space that you'd recommend others could replicate? Yeah, I, I do see Shell as a, as a great leader in this space. Um, and we've been working on it for, for quite some time. And so, you know, for us, we really do have that, that full spectrum DNI approach. Um, we believe in a diverse workforce, but more so we believe that, a, that an inclusive environment really represents and nurtures uh, different perspectives and contributions. And we see it as a source of our strength for business performance. And I mean, for us, if you Google Ben, ben Bearden, our CEO, you'll see him in many different videos on YouTube and LinkedIn talking about 
um, the importance of DNI. And so really having that CEO-led sponsorship at the start um, is, is really helpful to kind of move the needle and shift the dial. We've also had, we've also really created this ecosystem of DNI. So I think I mentioned it, it's that systems approach. So we look at DNI and everything from talent acquisition and retention through to our leadership sort of inclusivity and, and or inclusion and practice, mm-hmm. and then supporting that all through process, policies, and, and networks. We really do have a great uh, worldwide sort of network approach, everything from LGBT, um, Q+, Q+ through to AFNET, through to you know, Aboriginal networks all around the world to really celebrate the success and importance of diversity in our own employees. Um, and we also have a really strong connection into global DNI champion organizations. So we partner with Catalyst. Um, we've also recently joined forces with other energy sector leaders um, to eliminate the value or to eliminate the exclusion of disabled people worldwide. And so we've joined a campaign called the Valuable 500. So I think really identifying those external organizations and nonprofits that are champions in this space and looking to partner and learn from them as well is something that I'm incredibly proud of, of what we do. Thank you. Now, when you first started um, to talk today, you mentioned the concept of the future of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does this mean to you? It's a pretty big, it's a pretty big term. Um, it means a, a couple of different things. Um, to me, it's about this idea of having a large number of interlinked disruptors that are really affecting the dimensions of work and redefining work, workforces and workplaces. So you can look at it in a couple of, of big buckets. You've got sort of this, this whole bucket around autom- automation and digitization which is everything from AI through to big data, through to robotics and drones and internet of things. You also have a bit more around um, ways of working. And so that's, you know, an agile way of working, what your workspace of the future is, how your organization is designed through to the last kind of big bucket is around this whole idea of ecosystem of talent. And so that's, um, that's your human cloud, that's crowdsourcing, that's the gig economy. And so these large disruptors are all interlinked and really helping sort of redefine how we work. And it's a pretty neat topic. Thank you. So here um, in Calgary, anyway, do you find that um, sometimes Shell uh, maybe mentors other groups in the concept of EDI? Um, I do. Yeah, we're, we're also very involved um, in the community externally. Um, with a lot of different um, organizations. And a, a big part of what we do as well is when we're working locally. So let's say, um, I'll say Fort, I know you said Calgary, but I'll say Fort St. John sure. for, as an yeah. example, right? If we're working in Fort St. John and growing our plant there, when we're looking at our contract companies, we enter in and have conversations around making sure they have diverse um, staff as well to come into our sites. And so it's always part of the conversation, what we're doing to make sure we're giving consideration to to the community that we operate in and that we look and feel very similar to that community. Um, and we, we do a lot of work around that space and we're, we're certainly linked into many different organizations here. It's something that we do well um, in all, all, many of our local areas, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, so you would say that your EDI is through the whole ecosystem, including your supply chain, yeah. for example. We try to, we strive okay. for it to be definitely. Okay. 
great. So how big is your team that works on this at Shell? Uh, so I'm part of a global team. Um, and there is, on my team for the downstream business, uh, there's about 10 of us around the world that focus on this for the downstream business. And so then you can broaden it out for the, the rest of the company. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so we're, we have a quite a dedicated talent organization that, that supports EDI absolutely. and talent. Yeah. So if, uh, if another company is trying to incorporate more EDI, what are some of the tips you can give them? So maybe some lessons learned <laughs> from experience. <laughs> yeah, I would say um, for me, I, I think a couple of, of tips, you don't have to go out and create a whole talent organization, right? It's great to have the dedicated resources, but that's not always a reality, particularly in, in sort of this economic uh, day and age. And so if you don't have that luxury or the ability to create a talent organization, there are some things you can just go out and do as, as a company. Um, I would say first and foremost, again, it has to start with leadership. So you do need that business leader um, to really champion and have the passion around EDI. And I think that's just something that's critically important for, for any EDI um, practice. And then it really is pulling multiple levers. Um, so I think it, it I mentioned at the start, it's easiest to start with the D. And so there is things you can do around um, maybe setting some aspirations or targets to increase a certain type of of diversity lens. Um, And so maybe that's, you know, X percentage of your senior leadership roles you want to sort of aspire to fill with with women, as an example, or whatever is important to you in that context. And then it's that regular sort of uh, monitoring. So that's a bit of the D side. Um, what gets measured gets done from a performance lens. And so that just helps reinforce that perspective. But then you've got to step back and start to create that culture of DNI, which is the certainly the harder piece that takes a lot more time. And that's where you really need your champion. Um, and so it is a DNI culture. And that can be anything from just having honest conversations at your leadership table to understand and why someone might have a perspective, what their own biases are, um, and what the sort of the, the positive is and the need for having this sort of EDI journey. So I think there is something about having that leadership team and having honest conversations about how do we raise the gears? How do we have a faster pace of progress? And how do we do that from a personal and a collective perspective? And so it's that bold conversation at the leadership team that really starts to drive change. And then you go straight through your other practices around sponsorship and mentorship. Um, it's important to, to have that once you identify diverse talent and you want to move them up into leadership. You can't leave them hanging. They have to have support um, right through to, again, your recruitment and how you identify diverse talent. So it's that full ecosystem, but you can start in pockets and you don't have to do everything at once and really sort of approach it from a bite-sized perspective. And go where your leader's energy is, as well as what I would say. Mm-hmm. So Shell is quite known um, on the street anyway for your employee resource groups. That is something that Shell started long before others did. Can you explain a little bit about what is an ERG and how it's been beneficial to employees? Yeah, so I th- we call them our employee networks. Um, but we have, gosh, I can't even think of the number in Shell Canada, but we've got our women's network. We have our ABNET, our Aboriginal network. We have our AFNET. Um, we have our LGBTQ 
to PlusNet. I think it has a, a, a shorter, fancier name than that. I just can't remember. Um, so for us, it's one of the under sort of pinning successes of our EDI strategy. It's these are networks created by employees mm-hmm. for employees and sponsored by by our senior leadership. And so it's not necessarily that a leader one day said, hey, I think it would be really great if we had a women's network. It was women at Shell to say, hey, I really think we need this type of support and conversation. So it really is employee-led um, and it's inclusive, or uh, sorry, not, it's not, it's inclusive. Gosh, um, <laughs> my brain today. Uh, and so we invite all employees and it really allows to have Per, those personal and connective conversations around the challenges and barriers that employees in that particular diverse sort of group may face. And so I, I personally am part of several of them and I, I find them very, very valuable to have, you know, those connective type conversations and be open about the challenges. It's a really great practice. What has what do you think has made those groups sustainable at at Shell and so successful? Do they have each like a budget that they're allocated, or or how does that kind of work? Yeah, so it's a couple of different things. Um, there is always a, a leader sponsor, so every group will or every network um, will have a, a senior leader as, as a sponsor. So again, that sponsorship element always is is kind of a red thread around the how you change and move the needle on the EDI. Um, there is a budget as well, so that helps with. Um, planning some of the activities. Um, and then it's, again, it's employee-led. So you have that passion of employees who want to make change and want to make a difference. And so it's set up like you would see um, maybe a, a board or a governance structure um, where you've got a chair, you have a secretary. And so there is some formality around the actual structure of the network. Um, they're public. The topics are known in advance. Um, they touch on everything from um, mentoring circles through to like cafe type events through to lunch and learns. And so it's quite a broad, um, a broad view, but I would say success is dedicated leadership, you know, dedicated leader sponsorship, that budget support. And so there's that financial backing a little bit to do something different and passion and involvement of employees. And the other way that Chell's been quite successful is that you are um, quite connected with community. Yes. Right? Yes. Very connected, yeah. So, um, I mean, we've got our community initiatives. Um, we we're very connected with United Way, as an example. Um, we're connected with uh, we've got um, our emerging leaders group as well, and they they have been connected with uh, Boys and Girls Club. So, we look for ways to make sure that we're involved. Um, again, because it, it's it's our value, our honesty, integrity, respect, and our value of community. I know you've been involved with Bring a Girl to STEM Day. Yeah. And I, in the past, I believe you've been part of the Operation Minerva program. So we really yes. thank you for being associated with our, our greater STEM ecosystem here in, in Alberta. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. And we learn so much when we do, or I, certainly I do anyway. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that Shell's kind of larger DNI pro- priorities or vision. Um, focused around kind of one gender and two nationality, and mm-hmm. then you had um, targets for those as well. Mm-hmm. How, is there anything you can share on lessons learned or best practices or or how Shell has 
Um, how have you been able to incorporate intersectionality? Into yeah, that? great question. And I, what I didn't mention was the two targets, gender and nationality, have actually broadened out. So we've broadened our agenda. Um, and we now look at still gender balance, um, persons with disabilities, workplace accessibility, nationality, and LGBT um, inclusion. And so over kind of that 20-year journey, we've made that broadening view we know how important it is for intersectionality. Um, and we look, we actually, <laughs> I laugh. It's a, it's a little bit lame, sorry. Um, I laugh a little bit. We call it a diversity tree. Uh, <laughs> and so those leaves that you see closer to the ground are the more visible elements of diversity. And so that, I mean, you, can make, you might make a little bit of assumption, but you could look at how somebody presents gender-wise. You may be able to look at somebody's physical ability or ethnicity. And so those are more of the visible elements of diversity. And as you go further up the tree, these are branches that you can't usually see. And those are the broader elements of diversity, and that's gender identity, family status, sexual orientation, your beliefs, your education. Um, and the trunk and, and what really ca- helps the tree to thrive is inclusion. And so for us, it is really the full sort of view of diversity that's important. And that's why we strive to really broaden um, our agenda and what we look at over time. And, and it's constantly an evolution. So we've gone from those first two sort of views to this broader focus of around four or five different areas. I love it. The diversity. The diversity. Diversity. it's great it used to be an iceberg and now it's a tree (laughs) gotta have the visuals Mm -hmm. it helps (laughs) yeah it doesn't melt (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us today Jillian um really enjoyed having you on as a guest and have learned a lot from you and some key takeaways from this episode include that uh, DNI at a multinational corporation is a long journey. It's complex and it can move slow at times. Um, but a good place to start is with CEO-led support and and with passion from the very top. And then filter down in creating a healthy DNI ecosystem um, where you look at and include kind of recruitment, retention, and advancement, yeah. as well as process policies and, and also employee networks, and never forget to partner um, with community and, uh, and the importance of having those um, positive relationships with nonprofits or charities or, or women's networks um, and other identity uh, group networks as well. And then a good place to start is with the D. Yeah. So start with the diversity lens. And then, um, and then make sure that you also integrate DNI uh, into the culture in order to create an inclusive environment, and uh, and that can be done by starting with kind of personal and collective hard conversations. And and we also learned a lot about employee networks from you, um, and how what is needed to make them thrive and successful is to have a link and a sponsor uh, in, from senior leadership. Um, and a dedicated budget and ensure that you uh, foster and kind of cultivate and maintain the employee-led design and passion. Great. Great. Well, thank you. Now, before we go, don't forget to check out the resource section of this podcast to find references for this episode. And once again, you can find us find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Buzzsprout, and hit subscribe to be notified when a new episode is being released.
and let's continue the conversation. So let us know what you think. Send us questions. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much. And until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.